0: The Imperial Opera House is this week's sponsor. Get yourself down there and listen to people warble and screech their way through obscure foreign languages, achieving notes never intended for human consumption. You are guaranteed not to understand a thing, but they do sell nice ice creams at the interval. Wait, what? They don't sell ice creams? What sort of outfit are they running there? The tabletop we RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris' unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is
1: Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, has ever it's an absolute pleasure to be here. But wait, we have a visitor! We do have a visitor! Yes, all the way from the States, flown in and so forth, especially for the podcast, and boy their arms must be tired, it's James Mendez Hodes. Yo, what's good? Hereby referred to as Mendez.
2: Hello! Hello. Yes. Hey, happy to be here. How, how, yeah, how are so, you?
0: How, how's the weather over there? I'm sure it must be better than what it is right here.
2: It's bright and it's shining and I'm in a high-risk group for COVID-19 so I can't go outside. Ah. <laughs> Exciting times. That is unfortunate. No, no, no. I I go outside once a day to go running, but I live in a small suburb of New Jersey where Mm. um, I I can swerve easily around other people. Yeah. I'll be fine.
1: So, uh, as we know, uh, Mendez has been involved in many exciting projects, including 7th Sea, 2nd Edition, Tales of Swashbuckling Adventure, Um, worked on Cyan as well, that game where uh, the... Children of Gods are going and causing all sorts of problems. Definitely a lot of indie stuff as well, like Monster Hearts Two, uh, mm-hmm. a sequel to a sequel to Monster Hearts. I think. That yeah, right? yeah,
2: sequel or new edition.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, of course, uh, Geist Destinators, which is about uh, ghosts and humans that are attached to them, or vice versa. Um, yes, I have heard of it. Never had a chance to play it, and well, I have seen play, but never had a chance to. Urban Shadows, which. Um, I guess I would describe her as sort of powered by the apocalypse meets vampire is that accurate or am I just playing yeah, yeah
3: yeah
2: yeah that's a that's a that's a good assessment there's uh, I guess you might generalize it to, to urban fantasy in general. So mm, mm. Uh, you got your vampires, werewolves, wizards, weirder things like ghosts and revenants, various kinds of immortals. So yeah, yeah. it spans media influences from stuff like vampire or werewolf to uh-huh. uh, other genres of urban fantasy, like uh, even even gargoyles, which we were talking about a little bit before yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got yeah. some of that feeling. I do like it's a big gargoyle.
1: Yeah, so um, I suppose I suppose we could do some sort of news talk now. Shall we do maybe? the news,
2: shall we? Let's whip Crash through burn. the news. Excellent. I've not been paying distance. attention, so this is going to be exciting for me. This is going yeah, to be yeah, exciting.
0: Yeah. So there's a big bit of news this week. Uh, Wizards of the Coast, uh, the latest Dungeons & Dragons storyline was going to be announced... Revealed yes. at uh, an online event um, on the 18th of June, which is... what? Now, now,
1: now, were they going to go and jump straight into the announcement, or they they going to do another pre-announcement of the announcement?
0: <laughs> they generally do get to it early in the show, I think. Oh, okay, 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 But, but when's it is Is that next week? The week after? Next week,
1: maybe. Uh, what does time
0: mean? Who knows? Anymore? Well, yeah, time yes. has lost all meaning. But, um, yeah, uh, unfortunately, it appears to have been leaked early. Oh... Uh, no. their, their partners, D&D Beyond, posted a YouTube video, which they very no. quickly deleted. I think, like, oh. within minutes, they deleted that video, but oh. not before oh. a few people grabbed some screenshots of the cover of this new book. Oh, okay. Which is unfortunate. But, I mean, yeah. this could be, it did occur to me, this could be an elaborate troll on the part of Wizards of the Coast, and they're trying to... <laughs> 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 it's, oh. You know, it's completely <laughs> fake, but... I wouldn't put me far because every single book they've released in the last, what, four years has oh. been leaked early. Oh. And I, I imagine a... they're probably getting a bit frustrated with that. Yes,
1: yes. It seems rude.
0: So right. I'm, I'm wondering when the time is when they start, they start playing this disinformation campaign. Wow, yes. So that their announcement your own <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. But anyway, yeah. uh, what, what this is, um, is uh, all, all our guesses of an Icewind Dale-based storyline. Yes, We're correct. That's what everyone that would was go with all the ice themed art. That's been yeah, yeah. Because they've been yeah. putting ice themed art. They they had that T shirt with a cute little snowy owl bear on it, and uh, oh, yeah, they've been, okay. they've been they've been <laughs> they've been hinting at it. So uh, it's not <laughs> it's not a big surprise. But this is called Icewind Dale Rhyme, That's R I M E, not not R H Y M E. Rime of the Frost Maiden. Yes. So uh, the.
1: Snow-covered ground of the Frostmaiden?
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so Rhyme is uh, sort of ice, which forms on surfaces, isn't it? I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, a oh, Fosbride, the Frostmaiden is uh, an evil goddess in the Forgotten Realms called Aurel.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really should know that one. I was just running really, uh, <laughs> a... I was just running really a module. To be fair, here. I, 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 I didn't
0: know. I didn't know until I looked it up. My Forgotten Realms lore is woeful. Uh, I... I I was like, I don't know any of these gods. They mean
1: nothing to me. So I just swapped them out for Irish mythology yeah. because I could.
0: Yeah. Well, Icewind Dale is one of the few areas of mm. the Forgotten Realms that I do know something about, though, because of mm. um, the Crystal Shard. Yeah. Yeah. Which I like, read uh, as a teenager. Yes.
1: Yeah, so likewise. Uh, uh, I think we're talking about like you know, the that front cover because it's very iconic. It sticks in your mind.
3: Mm. Yes. yes. Yeah.
1: Although no, I-, I must confess, I was a bit vague about what a furball was for quite some time. <laughs> I
2: was like, uh, to be honest, I think D&D he, in general is pretty vague.
0: Guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, D&D in general tends to take the names of mythological creatures and just change them into something else half the time anyway,
2: doesn't it? Right. We're the, We're I think the Rakshasa is, is the worst offender for me there. Um, Medusa. Medusa's uh, quite a bad one, too. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they got Medusas and Gorgons. A yes, yeah. bit. Gorgons are apparently
0: mm. a
1: sort of mechanical bull with a petrifying breath i'm like no the juicer is an ex- instance of the class gorgon. get it right yeah um yes well what well, well, about the rakshasa because i i was am a bit less familiar with that one
2: so the so rakshasa is a a shape-shifting uh shape-shifting demonic humanoid from yeah. south asian mythology and they're uh, they're present all through uh, various kinds of Indian epics and all mm. kinds of, yes. uh, through all kinds of uh, Hindu mythology mm. and yes. even Buddhist and Jain mythology. But Mm-mm. there was an episode of a detective of an urban fantasy detective show called, I think, *Colcheck the Night Stalker* mm-hmm. from yeah. uh, from back in uh, back in the twentieth century, where yeah. they had a monster which called a Rakshasa. Yes, <laughs> in the distant past. Um, so they had a and they, they had a monster which was some kind of shapeshifter. Oh. from from India, and they called it a Rakshasa, but the one on the TV show had a tiger face. Right. Yes. And so now uh, I guess Gary Gygax must have liked that show or something because now in uh-huh. D&D all the Rakshasas have tiger faces, and anyone who's familiar with Indian mythology comes to this and is like, oh, my favorite religious-slash-mythological mm. figure. Why, why does it have a tiger? <laughs> well, there's, uh, um, there's been a series of – well, not
0: a series, a couple of articles on my site. Recently, which I've um, mm-hmm. been delving into the origins of some of, the, uh, of Gary Gygax's creations, and a lot of them come from obscure plastic toys. Oh. Yeah. Well, I
2: say obscure; they might not be obscure to others, but they're obscure to me. Yeah.
0: But something called Ultraman, the
2: plastic mm. toy series. Oh, Ultraman. The, uh, the right. The the. It's a Japanese uh, tokusatsu series. About, yeah, I'm not uh, familiar with it myself. Superhero.
0: But there was a, a set of toys. And about eight different D and D creatures are literally I think it's things like um the Umber Hulk and you know, some of the yeah, some yeah. of the weirder ones are just literally just those toys. It, it just goes
1: to show that basically mm-hmm. the fine traditions of DMing everywhere where you like watching T V and you're like,
2: Oh, that looks cool, I'll whack that in my campaign. <laughs> they have got deep fruits. Deep fruits is what we're saying. I, I, I- I respect the commitment to unoriginality. I try to have (laughs) as few original thoughts as possible because those are scary and risky, and I fear (laughs) (laughs) them. I originality is difficult, yeah. Like, I'm saying this in, like, a funny, ironic voice, but it's not actually, like, no, this is my actual approach. No no (laughs) original ideas ever. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm kind of with you there. Everything I I do is, Lisa, I love letter to the Ghostbusters game in the 1986. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep.
1: Yeah, he's laughing when he says that. It's true. Uh, it's true. It's totally true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. absolutely. Okay. Uh, anyway, well, anyway so uh, we were talking about Icewind Dale. Uh, yes. Just, just quickly, so uh, it was originally posted on Reddit uh, <laughs> by a guy called SmiteMite. This uh, screen grab, and it was only a tiny little um, picture, sort of like a couple, a couple of inches high.
1: Yeah.
0: And then over on um, Geek Native, which is yes. a, an RPG news site. But they ran it through some kind of image enhancing application. Mm -hmm. I don't quite know how these things work, but managed to blow the image up. So you've got a big full screen image of the front cover of this book. And it makes it very, very clear. And basically, there's a great big snowy owl bear, giant owl bear with horns on the front cover, flanked by a wolf of some kind. Yes.
1: And, and uh, there's somebody who's suffering from a nasty case of death. Yes, he doesn't know <laughs> uh, very very happy.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, seen see better days. I'm, I'm actually quite interested in this, because I, I really like the, the novel D&D stuff. Mm. Like the, the ones where they've actually come up with their own stories, because I found things like Tales of the Yawning Portal, Ghost of Salt Marsh. It's like, it's nice that they've been brought up to date, mm. but they haven't really changed. Not that up to date. Yeah. So not, they're not as exciting for me. Who knows? Perhaps we'll get all sorts of exciting things. Perhaps.
0: I'm yeah. um, just sticking with D&D for the moment, and then we can move on to other things. Uh, so yeah. um, we found out that the next storyline after this one yeah. will be released in September. This year? Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: that's a, that's a, I feel like I'm getting spoiled with D&D content this year, because we've had Ferros already, and now we've got Frost Frostmaiden coming up, and then there'll be another story Actually, no, line? I'm wrong.
0: No, no. It's this one that's going to yeah. be in September. I'm. Ah. I'm, 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 I'm a complete liar I'm making stuff up now I'm completely
2: wrong there It is this one He's it, just be- Monster Mendes What are we to do <laughs> with him? I'm only here <laughs> this week You have to deal with them all the time <laughs> I know, thank you He loves you.
0: it <laughs> Don't worry, Daryl will edit me And I will sound informed and competent It'll be amazing <laughs> he won't now. Look, <laughs> he's an editor not a miracle. Yeah. Now, right? yeah. <laughs> no. uh, anyway, so Greg Greg Taito over uh, Wizards of the Coast had an interview yeah. with the site Screenrant, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they he, he mentioned in it's a really long interview actually, but uh, he he mentioned a that this uh, this this Icewind Dale thing is going to be released in September, so they're mm-hmm. announcing it next week on the eighteenth. Right. And then it's going to be released in September. But also during this big announcement event, they're doing this kind of weird, I don't quite know how this works, some kind of weird reality TV style D&D feature.
1: Reality TV d d feature. They
0: describe it as performative cosplay deductive roleplay. So they're basically
2: uh, LARPing DD? I'm not sure. Um, they say I've it's something similar to something. There's called- already a name for that and it's just called LARPing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Like, well, guys, is this it, is not new.
0: <laughs> is anyone familiar with something called Mafia slash Werewolf?
2: Oh, yeah. Werewolf. Uh, I don't know what that yeah, is. Werewolf yeah, is like the a party game? Yeah, it's a social, they call it social deduction games. Mm. Right. I remember playing this in high school, you know, you sit around with, a, uh, you sit around in your your living room with a bunch of people. Yeah. And then there's one person who's kind of the, the MC, and then uh, everybody gets secret roles. Yes. And you're trying yeah. to one cast suspicion on other people while avoiding the suspicion or yourself. Or the hitman. Right, yeah. And then then you say... Okay, yeah, so that that
0: explains what this is then. Okay, so... It's got all sorts of different things. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. According to the storyline, there's a prison warden, who's a wizard, and um, he traps a group of suspects uh, to some kind of crime, and then he sets them challenges, and there's ten ten players, and they're all, like, uh, celebrities... Uh, and one of them's the culprit, play, and each is played by a, obviously a different performer. And over the weekend, the cast members they get reduced one at a time in some manner until there's just three left on the last day.
2: Isn't there like a whole genre of anime and manga with this with this model? I don't know. Quite oh, f- possibly. I believe you. Um, I don't know though. Yeah, yeah. Just. I'm I'm a little behind on that kind of thing, but this this sounds like the kind of thing that I've heard uh, I've heard friends talking about uh coming out of japan Hmm. i don't know maybe going back to related to the battle royale tradition right right uh like extreme storytelling yeah 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 i don't know but i guess we'll find out next week exactly what it is yeah
1: um yeah what's this reality rp i think they've called it yeah 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 interesting
0: yeah. Uh, one of the yes. little tidbits that did come out of this interview as yes. well, um, last year or a couple of years ago, was the Coast, because they, um, they do an awful lot of market research and they're able to do a lot of demographic research in that and work out who's, who's playing role-playing games. Yes. Uh, and I think it was like 39% women a year ago, maybe two years ago. And we were, yes. we were saying that that has increased massively since the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the, the days of 5-10% sort of before. Uh, Greg Taito says that it's it's approaching 50-50 now, mm, which nice. is a
1: massive increase.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, I
1: guess it's one of those things where role models help.
0: Yeah. I like mean, he didn't say it actually was 50-50, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I
1: reaching. mean,
0: if it was at 39, that's pretty much 40. So it doesn't have that that's far to go to get to 50, I suppose. So I don't know what it is.
1: Well, yeah. I guess it's expanding so much.
0: yeah. 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 Well, the thing is, you know, when it gets to the point where the actual players are, like, represent the population, is when you've basically got it about right, isn't it? Yeah, I thought so. And women are 50% of the population, so they should be 50% of the players, and if they're not, then there's got to be a reason why they're not. Absolutely. And that is presumably uh, know, people, people putting them the off game. because they're not very nice people. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well,
1: fortunately, the lovely people are outnumbering them, yes. which is yeah. Yeah. often yeah. the way I find.
0: It. Absolutely, absolutely, Good stuff.
2: absolutely. Okay, oh. I have been. I've been hopeful that the. I guess de- democratization doesn't sound right, nor does like popularization. Uh, yeah, I, I guess the that removal the, of gatekeeping from the hobby. Ex- yeah, has been right. really The removal solid. of gatekeeping, specific like specifically through uh, specifically through play on Discord and the oh. ways the Generation Z is reshaping and reformat- reformatting like the way that new players engage with D and mm. mm-hmm. uh, I think that may have a lot to do with it. I think streaming oh. streaming is definitely a massive mm-hmm. massive part of that because people yeah, see yeah. themselves represented
0: in the in the shows that they're watching. I yeah, think I think important. there's
2: definitely still gatekeeping in like a lot of oh. these new online communities that we're seeing popping up over the past few years. But yeah. they, a lot of them also have more robust tools to counteract the kind of gatekeeping that mm. we're used to seeing at conventions and game stores that have become, you know, basically like cliches. Yeah. In the yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and casual yeah. sexism is way less cool than it used to be. Yeah. Before yeah. people just be like, it happens. And that's like, that's that's very rude. You can't yeah. say that. I think yeah, it's, we we're going to have, have to get, get out corporate. of here
2: and go into
0: politics, yeah. where apparently it's totally fine still. <laughs> Yeah, and I think probably you know every time someone tunes yeah. into some live-streamed D and D game or something, and they suddenly realise, hang on a second, that's not just five middle-aged white men. That is a good thing, and that <laughs> uh, you know, and, and they, and they might men. say, hey, this this thing Ooh. might be for me too. That's a yeah, yeah, same yeah, well, exactly. same wrong. Mm -hmm. But hey, uh, talking of um, that sort of thing, um, so uh, there's some big RPG sales for the whole Black Lives Matter movement going on right now. Yes. Uh, So what
1: what are they on to? Over a thousand games
0: or something? Yeah, well, that's one of them. So that will be, I don't know how you pronounce this, Ichio? itchio itch.io, itch.io? I always term.
2: thought it was itch.io but I've heard people pronounce it every which way I don't know. You I can, can call
0: it. It itchio if you like I'm, uh, I'm going, going to go with itchio wrong. okay it yes. seems easier fewer syllables yes. but uh, um, but yeah um so yeah so that's that's, that's the biggest sale uh, and that uh, currently has I'm looking at it now over a 1000 products on there over 800 creators it's worth yes. coming up to $6000 in value the whole Mm -hmm. bundle that you get, and it only costs you $5. At least that's the minimum donation. You can pick that up
2: for $5. And all the proceeds are donated. It is it is really a brilliant uh a really brilliant bundle and what i love about this is that it's bringing together big names like you know blades in the dark and lancer Lancer, Uh, celeste celeste is on here uh like indie games you might have heard people talking Mm. about like a short hike Mm. and then there's also a lot of games you might not have heard about Mm. by Mm. like up-and-coming designers like adira slattery Mm. is in there Mm. uh lucian khan is in there with dead friend um there, there's a couple
1: of like really micro titles. It's not just tabletop RPGs either. It's yeah, also it's computer games, and as video well. games, all types yeah. of things. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, fantastic, fantastic value for money. I mean, I don't think you could even get a copy of Blades in the Dark for five, ten dollars. Yeah, there's so
0: exactly, yeah. there's so much stuff there now. I think if you were to if you were to buy that, I think. It would take you so long to sort through it. If a, I will it, never play all yeah, of these yeah. in my whole I mean, life. There's, Let's have a look. No I
1: ain't got time yeah. 1,304 yeah.
0: creators at wow. present. Uh, it's raised $5.4 million, which is nice. astonishing. Uh, and uh, yeah. the offer ends in three days. Well, three days, 17 hours, so four days.
1: Yes. So, this, so if you're listening to this... Yeah, yeah, this goes out tomorrow on Saturday, so you've got until... Yeah.
0: Tuesday, Tuesday, yeah, quick. Monday I, or I, Tuesday. I, I, I've,
1: let, I've, let the, I've let the guild know about it, but this is just such amazing value. Yeah. I think, yeah, absolutely. I really absolutely. There, yeah.
0: so. The proceeds, just so you know where they're going to, they're going mm-hmm. to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund, yeah, and the Community Bail Fund, and it's being split fifty-fifty between those two charities. No, ah, good stuff. Yeah, but that's not the yeah, only no. one. It's not the only one. There are other sales. So, oh, really? DM's Guild and Drive-Thru RPG. I'm listening. So, DM's Guild has a Black Lives Matter uh, Spotlight, and so you can buy mm-hmm. D&D material from people of colour. Um, there's Ooh. I looked at it. There's only 11 items in the spotlight, actually. I thought it would be a little bigger, but there's 11 items, but there's a couple of bundles in there. So, it, mm-hmm. so it works out to about 30 supplements in total. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's on DM's Guild. If you if you want D and D specific yeah. stuff, if you want more yeah. more general stuff, uh, over on Drive Through RPG they have a spotlight okay. page, and uh, that includes stuff like um, the Cyberpunk Red Jumpstart Kit and some bundles which have things like Rocket Age, which was I think Critical yeah. Seven Rocket Age, and Shadows Over Soul, and a whole bunch of other different stuff. Yeah. And again, the proceeds from both of those spotlights um, go to go to charity too. Um oh, blocking sound there. Yeah. It was kinda of, so I didn't that um drive through RPG thing. I'm I was surprised I didn't actually hear about it. I just stumbled across it by accident. They didn't really send any press out about it. Is it? It's a good deal. It's a good deal. Yeah. Hey, yeah so,
1: some
3: cool stuff
0: here.
1: I, I I think something expensive is about to happen to me, I've got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: well that's, not too expensive. Well actually, that's the thing, it's not even expensive, is it? That's the it's that's, not, is that's it? the beauty of it.
1: Uh, I was already in on the itch.io. It's a hard sorry. one to turn
0: down, isn't
1: it? Uh, uh, yeah. It's like, it's basically the default's $10. I was like, oh, I don't like having, it said it's $5 and it said it's $10. And I was like, what am I even quibbling for? This
2: is immense value. And that was when it was 740 games. Mm. So I hadn't realized they were adding it, to it. It's so hard to resist that combination of avarice and altruism. Exactly, exactly.
1: Uh, <laughs> they, yeah. they, they, they got me, they got me right Right. Greed it's, that it's, you can feel small.
2: good about. That's amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. Kind of weaponise that search. Yeah, it's yeah. way forwards, man. Uh, right, Origins Online. I'm going on to stick on the Guitar. Black Lives Matter front for a moment. Yes. So, Origins Online has been cancelled. Origins Online? Origins Online. So, the Origins Game Fair was postponed uh, due to the pandemic until, yeah. I think it was October? Somewhere later um. in the year, anyway. Uh, and in its place, Origins Online was set up. And that was due yeah. to be like now, next week, really close to now. Sub- I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not entirely sure what happened behind the scenes, but uh, a whole bunch of uh, companies and hosts and presenters and uh, attendees started pulling out of the uh, online convention because uh, Gamma, the Game Manufacturers Association. Um, oh, no, we're not. We're know. not um, publicly stating their support for Black Lives Matter. Right. I was, as I understand it, and I might be wrong with this, it isn't so much that they just kind of forgot to say anything. It's more that oh, they okay. were actively not saying it. Do you know what oh, I mean? I see.
1: They, they've been invited to comment and have been like.
0: I, I mean, I, I couldn't think. tell you what conversations went on behind the scenes. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, oh. lots and lots and lots of people
2: started putting out. Yes.
0: And so as I.
2: Yeah, I I also didn't I didn't follow the specifics of the hmm. the behind the scenes stuff, but the the way that a lot of the withdrawals were framed did make oh. it clear that this it wasn't just about this one public hmm. Uh, hmm. this one public statement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they. they I,
1: I got to say, when I hear Gamma, uh, I don't have a good connotation with them just from this podcast. <laughs> it's like, you know, we're not against I, them. We're quite, only we're quite poor to... game association manufacturers, but... Yeah, you know, they, I had they... a
2: good time the one time I went to Origins, mm. but yeah, yeah. it was the it was the whitest and malest convention I've ever been to. It mm. made Gen Con look diverse. <laughs> right. right. Um, <laughs> how, how, you know, how long ago was that, just out of curiosity? <laughs> <I'm certain. laughs>
0: this, was, this was two years ago. Oh, not that long ago, either. Yeah, yeah
2: and I kept doing this thing like, uh, th- I remember there was a time when I was wandering around the exhibit hall with one other Asian friend, and every time we'd run into another Asian, like, even if we didn't know them, we'd be like, oh my god, come join <laughs> Our gang. Like yeah, yeah. You know, we're like huddling in a group with each yeah. other, like for warmth and safety. Yeah, um, oh because like I, I kept. Yeah. There were so many times when I was at Origins, and I would just, I'd just be talking to someone. I'd be like, "Hey, watch this," and I'd step back, and I'd get up, and I'd turn around three sixty degrees, and then I'd sit back down. And I was, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I saw one person of color." Mm it might have been right. a mirror i'm not sure it's <laughs> <laughs> well, like and, and there are there are a lot of wonderful right. things about the convention it's really easy to navigate yeah, uh, the games good. on demand program is great and that's an awesome space to be in <clears throat> but it was it was extremely that, monolithic
3: mm.
1: okay uh is it accessible
2: uh it CGI
3: is check?
1: so uh, do you mean like uh in terms of physical accessibility. Physical accessibility, I think it's
2: actually it's actually better than most conventions. Uh, you know, I've only been to be that
1: hall in fairness. Yeah.
2: There's a um, lot of because yeah, it's it's like cuz a lot of it takes place in in basically just one uh one building that's arranged essentially as a line. Mm. Um mm. so everything is really close to the street uh and it is it's relatively easy to get from the convention center to a lot of places to eat without having to like trudge all over the place. Um, Like it's uh, again, compared to Gen Con where you have to, if you walk out of the convention center, you have to wander through downtown Indianapolis a bit. There are fewer streets you have to cross. So uh, that's, that I think is a good deal easier. Although there are a couple of like eating spaces, which don't seem uh, Mm -hmm. super accessible. Uh, but yeah, like that could be, uh, I think, a huge, uh, a huge advantage for Origins. But there are some other things that they got to work on too. Well, they have released Ooh. a statement finally. Yes.
0: Yeah, uh, and the statement uh, they've now sort of unequivocally stated that they believe Black Lives Matter, and um, they've come out and put out a press release, literally say, saying that. So um, I won't read out the entire statement because it's quite long. But they are—they—they um, they state that they do believe Black Lives Matter. they are um, offering a full refund to uh, exhibitors and sponsors and advertisers and attendees. Anyone who, anyone who's you know, put some money into yeah. attending the thing. Uh, also, they're matching dollar for dollar uh, mm. any exhibitor or sponsor or advertiser or vendor or anything like that. Anyone who donates the amount that they're owned, owed for Origins Online. I'm trying to get this straight. Any, yeah, so the amount that they're owed, you can uh-huh. opt to donate that uh-huh. to charity, and there's a list of uh, uh-huh. six um, six relevant charities there. Uh, okay. And if you do so, um, they will match, it. will match it dollar for dollar. Mm, nice. Right. And then they, they reckon that could exceed $100,000, depending on how many people opt for that mm. and uh, how many people don't.
1: Fantastic! It's a good time to be a charity. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> In, yeah. That. So oh. there's
0: there's six charities: the Black Lives Matter Global Network, the Black Trans Advocacy Coalition, the Columbus Freedom Fund, the Community Justice Exchange, the Innocence Project, and NAACP. Excellent choices. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also, uh, as a, as an aside, they've also just one day later cancelled the actual October Origins Game Fair. Oh, but yeah. this, because of the pandemic, um, they say there's a high likelihood of a second wave of the virus and they decided to not go ahead with the show at all this year
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think i saw some reports that cases are already spiking mm. here in the united states yeah. after yeah. there have been some very optimistic reopenings yeah
0: yeah
2: okay let's go on some better
0: news shall we all Right, pathfinder kingmaker the video game oh, yeah if you are a console fan Yes. On August the eighteenth, Pathfinder Kingmaker is coming to PlayStation Four and Ooh. Xbox One with a turn-based mode, which is something people have been asking for.
2: Yeah. Right. And this is a this is a new edition of a of a game that's been out for a bit, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I yeah. think was that last yeah. year? Pathfinder the year before?
0: No,
2: I'm not. Something I'm not sure where. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> cool. But no, I, I quite liked it. I mean, it's basically similar to the old Baldur's Gate games. Yeah, yeah. But a little updated graphically uh, and based on the. What I find it unusual is it's still based all on the Pathfinder first edition rule set. Yes. Hmm. Which obviously they're not publishing anymore. So. No. I don't. I don't quite I understand the the, the the choice between behind that and why it, why it wasn't made for second edition. I guess
1: they had it made. Yeah, the last time I played Pathfinder Kigmater was November 25th, 2018.
0: Right, so two years ago, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Right, uh, more news, let's have a look. Owen Stevens, who's been on this podcast before, uh, he uh, started a new hashtag on social media and the hashtag was called Real Game Industry. Oh, uh, and basically, it's just a, a big long series of tweet-sized because you posted them on Facebook as well. But um, yeah. tweet-sized, uh, uh, I want to say, truth bombs about the RPG industry. You look, you look at me like <laughs> they're not, they're not mean spirited. You
1: know, like 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 Owen's a great guy, yeah. but I'm getting a bit gun shy at the moment. And like, it's been it's been a long, I must be like nearly a decade of. And I hear gamers. It's like, do I do I need to worry now? Is is someone going to say something horrible and
0: associate it with my hobby? No, no, that's fine. It's fine.
1: And therefore, by extension, with me. Okay. So Owen said
0: some. This is this is very industry side stuff, as opposed to uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's
2: he's talking about like toxic uh, or possibly harmful practices uh, within the within the professional side of the game industry. Okay. Uh, Not so much toxic. I I don't think Um, like. He's talking about imposter
0: syndrome, and and, uh, he's talking about pay, which is obviously a... Pay pay
1: is low, and everyone feels that they're not good enough to be in the game. industry.
2: Yeah, yeah. He did talk a bit about the the drinking culture, right? He did, yes, yeah.
0: So he basically said getting into the industry was more a case of attending a convention and hanging out at Uh the bar than it was sending good work to publishers. Well, some of the other things he said. So I'm just going to whip Mm. through these because they're not. I'm not going to read all of them because there's tons of them. Tons of them. He talks about the pricing of uh, RPG books, and he says that tabletop RPG books are Mm. not overpriced. You should you should regard them as specialty, technical, creative writing, social interaction manuals. Uh, And says that at double the current prices, they would not be overpriced, Uh, and that is why most Mm. uh, RPG creators leave the industry along with the constant fan harassment. Mm. Yes. So, yeah, he's basically uh, the money's not in there. And also, people aren't very nice to you. Angry nerds. Yeah, yeah, the the worst a, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. He also says imposter syndrome is a massive, massive part of the industry. Uh,
2: yeah, for uh, real. Which,
0: I, I think that's not just true of the RPG industry, though. I think that is generally true of people. I think most people do mm-hmm. do suffer from that to an extent. There are exceptions, but I think most, oh. certainly most people I know, I, I definitely think do to at least an
2: extent yeah, yeah. i think yeah. the the rpg industry does have some of the lack of structure which is often uh what invites a lot of people into the industry and what makes them want to be here mm. i think oh. the some of the lack of the of structure and certification and especially um like formal full-time jobs mm. which are usually for for most people like the signal that they've quote unquote yeah. done it right yeah mm. That they made well, there's it. There's very few of those, aren't the there, in the yeah. RPG industry? Yeah. There aren't a lot of those. Unless
0: you're working for Wizards or Paizo or, you know, one of maybe mm. a, a handful of handful of companies, uh, there's, most people are freelancers who work in their spare time yeah. and have another day yeah. job. And that's almost the right entire right. industry. Yes. Which is also the majority. sort of leans into the whole, you know, day, people don't get paid enough. And the reason people don't get paid enough is because, partly because the industry itself isn't big enough to generate the, mm-hmm. you know, the revenues to make these companies big enough to pay people full-time wages. What was I going to say? I Oh, uh, Owen also said there's 65 people. This is going back to his list of truth bombs about the industry. He says there's 65 people in the Origins uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, he says that most people can't name five of them. I think I would agree. I I don't know who's in the Origins Hall of Fame. Myself. Uh, Most creators can't name 10. Uh, He also says they are overwhelmingly, although not entirely, white men.
1: Which is. I I know that the concept of factual play has won an Origins Award.
2: No, they've won a Diana Jones Award. That was the Diana Jones Award. You say that every time, but. uh,
1: I do. do. Uh, I like, yeah, I, I should apologize to Origins. Yeah. No, the, about the that.
2: Diana Jones Award is also extremely white and extremely male. Yeah. Anyway, uh, a whole load more. Truth. I won't. I won't go through any more of them. But there's a whole load of them, and we can stick a we can stick a link in the show notes, and
0: people can check them out because uh, I compiled them in an article just for convenience. Um, some of it's interesting. Some of it's obvious. Some of it's surprising. It's worth it's worth a look.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Owen uh, Casey Stevens. We'll put a link in the show notes, and that'll be good. Yeah. Uh,
0: right then i'm just looking if there's any more news that i have missed i think we may have pretty much covered it do we all feel informed and educated now <laughs> <informed>. <laughs> yes. education complete. Yeah. well guess what time it is now then uh, what
1: time is it
2: It's time to play our favourite game It's time to play the game Our favourite game in all the world Guess the Kickstarter from just the
0: name I think it's time to play our favourite game in all the world Our favourite game in all the world? Mm. The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you guess what it is from just the name
1: Oh, that game! That game. Right. Yeah, I suppose you can find that. Yeah, why not.
0: you were so hoping it was D D, weren't you? But it's not. Oh, I, I was looking forward to a quick game of Battleships. Battleships, day. yes. Yeah. Battleships sounds like the perfect podcast kind of game. audio <laughs> is it's like, the perfect medium just, for that
1: game. We can even
0: do the sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> right, so menace you're not familiar with the game, are you? No I'm oh, not, tell me all about it is, well, You've just, you, you heard, you the just heard the uh, rules and the title all in one go okay. So I'll, I read out the name of a Kickstarter, you guess what it is and uh, I give you some right. points and that's basically Okay. What made. are the
2: encumbrance rules for this game? <laughs> <thing? laughs>
1: well, the, the, the major encumbrance is Russ's pronunciation That's a major that's a major encumbrance Well, but, yeah. if oh,
2: people well, wouldn't
0: well. name all their Kickstarters with really bizarre fantasy names full of apostrophes, maybe my pronunciation would be a little better but, you know, all oh, I can do is, is try and read the words I see what on it? the screen. What <laughs> all right. Would you, like, would, you like, would you like to go first, Peter? And then Mendes can see how... I'll, I'll go first. All right, then. So, what is Folk Magic of the Haven Isles?
1: Bloody awesome names, what that is. Um, ooh, folk Magic of the Haven mm. Isles. Um, I think it is a splat book. I think it's for... A setting that i don't know um maybe maybe it's a third party for pathfinder second of or something like that that'd be quite good and you've got like the haven isles and um this is essentially a book of sort of low-level cantrips and magics and uh magic items and like little little rituals you can do to um like not really like big powerful spells like fireball and stuff but, like you know, like cool little spells like you know how to summon cats or how 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 to find your one true love and so forth. And it's and it's like it's a book full of that, uh, which you can just plop into your setting, uh, or maybe it's like I don't know. It's 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 localised itself with folk magic of the Haven Isles. So yeah, I guess there's probably some sort of. Um, I'm hoping that there's at least one spell in that book where you undo knots to get extra wind. So power. you're
0: saying it's a spell book for Pathfinder?
1: Short, spell, version. Spell book Short version. Short version. <laughs> spells spells magic items low power. Quite fun. Okay. Uh, Probably
0: Pathfinder. I'm hoping Pathfinder. You're sort of right, but it's not for Pathfinder. So what this is, is, it's a a book for OSR games, swords and wizardry in particular. And it's based Uh, on British folklore uh, with a big focus on magicians, wizards, and magic users. Um, It's 60 pages, 19 pages of which are full-colour illustrations and it has a whole bunch of magic user subclasses and spells, all Ooh. based on British folklore. Yeah, really that cool. sounds quite good actually. So where's that come now? Yeah, end? so you got you got half of that. You got the basic concept right, but uh, you missed the British bit, and you got the system wrong. So five out of ten, I think, is a fair score. Well, it's not called the Arts, it's called the British. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not me. <laughs> okay. okay, then. Sweet. So Mendes, would you like a try? Please. Okay, then. Ooh. Okay, uh, this is a, a pronunciation possible issue, but I'll give it a try. Enchiridion, Enchiridion of the Computarchs, of the Computarchs. Oh, come on, Russ. what? <laughs> 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 and, and ch- this sounds like.
2: Is, is that the full? That's the full title. Yes, yes. Well, well, well that I, that sounds like a that sounds like a Valerian and Laureline storyline. Mm, mm. from the old french comic um yeah. i think that okay uh compute the 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 computing part makes me think of uh like a cyberpunk or a contemporary thing right. but mm. um the fact that the word anchoridian is used which is like an old timey word what does that mean from what does mean it's a, big yeah. book. it's a big book is it oh. Book. oh okay thank you yeah it's like a codex or a tongue. i've learned a thing um, i feel clever already computar- yeah. Um this could mean a lot of things, but I'm going to guess that it is it's oh, but are the computarics good guys or bad guys <laughs> or or morally gray figures? Uh so Tripping. I think that it's uh it is a book of player options for uh it, it's a book of player options for a fantasy setting that purports to be genre-bending. Like, it's a fantasy setting that involves uh, some futuristic elements, like it's post-apocalyptic and there's old technology lying around, uh, or else they're starting to get into, like, steampunk stuff or cyberpunk stuff that they want to combine with a traditional fantasy kind of setting. Like the appendix ends. You are correct.
0: Wait, really? You are correct. So it's for the Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG. Which is which is a ah, However, yeah, yeah. it's a book on developing and using ca- uh, casting mechanics and concepts in high tech settings. Nice. What?
3: So somehow, oh, yeah.
0: somehow, <laughs> out of me mangling those words, you you basically <laughs> described this thing perfectly. <laughs>
1: That makes it an excellent title. <laughs> if you're not an Encouridian, is which is like
0: a handbook. Yeah. I suppose it helped that oh, right. you Coffee knew what talks. that was because I, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I, I was like, thank you to <laughs> Adventure times. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, well, well right, we congratulations. Yeah. That is uh, definitely a uh, hundred oh. points out of ten for you.
1: Wow. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah
0: right. Hi, man. Yeah. Woo. So, uh, Peter, you're you're a long way behind now. Hundred points to oh, yeah. five at the moment. But but it actually seems legit this time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right then, all right, Peter. All right, can you can you can you can you, can you uh, catch up with this one? I'll give okay. it a go. go on. What is? You're gonna like this one. It's one of those single word ones. <laughs> you love those. Okay. Yeah. Roll.
2: O l e. Oh, I actually know what this one is. Oh, well, that's just what yeah, you can get. It, so. <laughs>
1: hmm. Um. I think it is a manual, uh, it's, a, it's sort of like a non-fiction book, uh, for what that makes sense of. It's like a collection of essays about how to roleplay and looking at various things. It's going to have like a whole bunch of different authors, and it's going to be all about, you know, this is, these are different ways you can roleplay and how to make it fun and ways to get into character, and basically almost sort of like um, an improv acting manual advice mm. sort of thing. How's that? Well,
0: it's
2: basically the opposite of that. Oh. <laughs> it's telling you how not do that. Stupid, so. This is a, uh, it's like a Roll Twenty competitor, right? Yes, it's a, yeah. like an online platform. Yeah. So oh. it's kind of
0: Zoom and Roll Twenty combined into one. So it's like a, a Zoom with tools specially designed for role players. I think it's the best way I could I could describe it. So huh. like Roll Twenty. Uh, yeah, but I exactly think
1: right. uh, yeah, like so uh, the same as Roll yeah. Twenty. I think
0: uh, it's more yeah. focused on the video than Roll Twenty is. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think when when you look at it, you see an interface more like Zoom than you do more like than, uh, than Roll Twenty. But it has a whole bunch okay. of dice rollers and character sheets and cards and stuff like that, kind of tools built into it. Exactly like Roll Twenty. <laughs> but okay, so it's a
1: competitor. But with better video code. Uh, I, I think sir. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: I'm all right, good. Yeah. Thing. Uh, so I think you definitely scored perfect, perfect for podcasters. hundred points there, mm-hmm. which fair. puts you at minus ninety-five, I believe, mm. which is unfortunate. I'm doing well this week. You're doing, you're doing, oh, you're doing fantastic. I, I record all, I record all my
2: scores in Modulus because oh. that way <laughs> it's fine. Doesn't,
0: doesn't matter how you I record like this.
2: I hear, I hear. Roll has a module for this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay So this is the last one And this is for Mendez. So on, Mendes So all you've got to do is not score <laughs> Negative 195,
1: 195. Yeah. 196, Negative yes. 196. Uh, To win uh, I thought
0: I'd help you out with the match yes. <laughs> yeah. well, So okay. this is called Wretches with a W uh, And rewards Wretches and rewards mm.
2: uh, I feel like
1: Waldo should have Less W's or please.
2: Okay. So the fact that there is uh, a an alliterative or assonant, I forget which word it is, that there's a title which is like oh, R right. sound and R sound mm-hmm. n- makes me lean towards fantasy role playing. Um, and we haven't actually had explicitly a 5e product yet. So I feel like probability wise, it, this probably this might have something to do with like a standard Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I think wretches makes me think of like some kind of some kind of more downtrodden uh group so um and the combination of that with rewards makes me think of like gutter punks and thieves um so i'm imagining like a um a book of uh like thief options for 5e like a like almost like a a complete thieves handbook kind of feeling Mm you got the system right. It is definitely for 5e. Oh, but nice. What this
0: book is is the book of monster encounters perfectly paired, cool. they say, with memorable loot. Um, it says, as a dungeon okay. master, the traditional approach to generating loot is tried and true but could be so much better. You set up encounters, run the players against them, then pop out the DM guy to roll on loot tables. That's the traditional way of doing it. Oh, right. Okay, uh
1: yeah okay is it giving advice on how to give custom loot? yeah
0: basically the encounters have oh, okay. loot that is part of the encounter rather than randomly rolled after
1: the right. after the encounter is right. what they're saying yes Would you yeah i i, I think i'll be okay for that but i just sound like a useful yeah. tool for, but for they, a kind of,
0: they kind of say here uh if the if the monster had a wand of fireballs in their loot pile all along then why the heck didn't they use it but in my games they do yeah, yeah, so I'm right. not, not sure yeah. where that question came from. they'll recharge tomorrow <laughs> lads, you weren't quick enough. <laughs> well, that's, that's how it's supposed to work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, when, I you roll, so. when you roll the treasure, the monster can use the treasure. But, well, well, to
1: be fair, we've got a lot more experience, so maybe for some people, I'm this be used, so. okay, yeah, yeah
0: okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's six adventures around a diverse set of magic items and their associated monsters. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know how many points you got there, Mendez, but it certainly wasn't minus 196. As long as it wasn't negative. Yes. Yeah. Which means you negative. are definitely this week's winner. Hey, good Unfortunately, stuff. there's no prize apart from the uh, self-satisfaction <laughs> and so, the knowledge that you beat, Peter.
2: I'll put it on my resume. <laughs> you should. You, you should. should. Yeah, you should.
1: Hey, you. Over there
0: in the corner. Are you speaking to me, good sir? Yeah. What do you think you're up to? I am merely enjoying a goblet of your finest mead, my fine barfellow. But what about that? What about what, honourable friend? That, there, the puddle. Ah, yes, the puddle. It does get mentioned from time to time. You're getting my carpet all wet. (laughs) To be fair, it could use a wash. Hey! The puddle, you see, is created by my cloud. Yeah,
1: I was about to mention that. What is that floating around in the rafters?
0: It's a cloud, stout Yeoman. A cumulonimbus, more specifically. A what now? From the Latin cumulus, which means heaped, and nimbus, which means rainstorm. Are you mocking me? Far from it, my generous host. This is a dense, towering cloud of water vapour, often referred to as a thundercloud. Fine, fine. But what is it doing in my pub? It goes everywhere I go, for I, young purveyor of beverages, am a thunder god.
1: More like a rain god. Who's going to clear up that mess?
0: Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Thor, god of thunder. This here is Mjolnir, the mighty hammer with which I smite giants and mountains asunder. And that there is my thundercloud, Neville. Neville? Yes, Neville. What's
1: wrong with that? Not very grandiose, is it? How rude! Don't you listen to him, Neville? Look, for Neville, whatever your name is, you can't go around bringing cold front scroll lines into my pub. There's
0: no sign that says so?
1: You're expecting a sign saying no meteorological weather formations allowed?
0: Oh, what about a little stratocumulus? No. A uh, cheeky nimbostratus? I said no. Oh, come on. You surely can't object to a nice, siriform nacreous, polar, stratospheric cloud.
1: I could, I would. I mean, I do.
0: Fine. Come on, Neville. We're not wanted here. Where would... Where should we, you're one of these people that's spread you all over the, the place. The yeah, I don't know where to start. Um, yeah. yeah. Where would you like to start? What's, what's uh, the thing you've done most recently? How about that?
2: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm a freelance various things in uh, working mostly, but not entirely in tabletop role-playing. For most of the beginning of my career, I was a writer. Um, and then for most of the uh, the last, like say, couple of years, I've been mostly a cultural consultant, uh, which means that I assist other creatives In representing diverse and marginalized identities, especially those they don't share in uh, an equitable and awesome manner. Uh, We uh,
0: made use of um, some sensitivity readers just last week for our upcoming book. Oh, excellent.
2: Yeah. Um, So, yeah, cultural consultant and sensitivity reader are essentially uh, synonyms. But I like the term cultural consultant better because, A, I think it sounds cooler. And Mm -hmm. B, I think that it encourages creators to involve uh, the consultant or the sensitivity reader earlier in the process. Right, I see, yes. Uh, um, So traditionally in publishing, uh, sensitivity reading was was at its inception. Uh, A book publisher would bring in sensitivity readers when the final draft of the manuscript was essentially almost complete and you know they were about to pull the trigger on sending out galley copies and at yeah. that point the sensitivity reader would come in and give some feedback and very often it would be too late to make major structural yeah. changes like this entire or
0: artistic changes is often more
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um because you
1: can't you could can maybe to find and replace some names but right but you could if your plot lines a
2: problem exactly mm. yeah. yeah so stuff i've worked on recently mm. let's see so um, there was Jiangshi, the
1: hopping vampires game. Yes, that sounds uh, fun. That, did, that does sound fun. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm I not so with it like until until literally you, you yesterday. Us, uh, it's not strictly an RPG, I think. But, oh uh, no, it, it um, is.
2: Uh, it is strictly an RPG. Yes. Oh, but marvelous. Uh, so more. so Jiangshi Blood in the Banquet Hall is a tabletop mm-hmm. role playing game about playing mm. a Chinese family in North America, usually uh, in the early twentieth century. And you're trying to run a Chinese restaurant during the day because that's the only job that you're allowed to have by law. Um, mm. And then you have to fight off uh, annoying uh, hopping vampires by night. So uh, it's, it's very grounded in history and uh, the history of the Chinese Exclusion Act and all of the like, legal and historical reasons why there are, why Chinese restaurants are so ubiquitous in mm-hmm. Canada and the United States. Because of the the restrictive immigration laws that would only allow people in if they were involved in a restaurant business. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, so that's so that's uh, providing a lot of the backdrop of it. Um, and then there's also there's also a lot of influence from uh, television shows like if you've seen uh, Warrior on Cinemax, not a lot of people saw that. I have not. Uh, that's that's one of the big influences. It's a uh, uh, do you know Peaky Blinders? Yes. It's yes. kind of like an American Peaky Blinders. It's based on Bruce Lee's notes. Uh, right. And it's about, uh, it's set earlier than than Junction, but uh, it's a, it's Actually, a big interest. No, Actually, I have. Yeah. Or maybe just oh, a trailer, yeah. I think, or maybe yeah.
0: a, a bit yeah. of it. But yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it stars a, it stars yeah. this,
2: this English guy, Andrew Koji, um, as like the cocky, annoying Bruce Lee character. And it's about mm. uh, some warring organized crime families mm. in San Francisco uh, when the Chinese Exclusion Act is about to pass in like the late 1860s right so it's it's very cool uh and one of the neat things about it is that um when the chinese characters are talking amongst themselves uh they speak mm. idiomatic modern american english um mm. but then <laughs> they speak either cantonese or english with uh with an accent when there are white okay. or black characters on screen mm. Right,
3: yeah um, that
1: makes
2: sense so the the creators of Jiangsha are senfeng lim and Banana huh. Chan, uh, both of whom are, mm-hmm. uh, uh, are from Canada. Huh. And so they brought me on to uh, write some cultural consulting content. I'm not Chinese, uh, so I had, to, huh. I had to lean on them uh, for some of the details. Huh. But I have a lot of experience writing about Asian representation uh, in huh. other contexts. Uh, I'm huh. Filipino-American myself. So, oh, okay. right. working together with them, um, we were able to craft uh, a couple of pages explaining to people how to play a Chinese character, which oh. is a thing that really intimidates a lot of people. You, know, you uh, get this game yes. where everyone is expected to be Chinese, mm. and most of the RPG uh, in most of the RPG hobby is still um, a lot of white guys. Yeah. So yeah. people oh. get these games like like this or like my game Thousand Arrows or yeah. uh, or Swordsfall. Oh. Yeah.
1: yeah, or Chris Bivy's, um Harlem Spire. Unbound. Harlem Unbound. Yeah, yeah, Harlem Band, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and
2: then Haunted West coming out soon. So uh, a lot of people see those and they're like, am I allowed to play this game? And mm. uh, my answer is and has always been emphatically, emphatically, yes. Uh, but mm. there's a craft to it. And mm. yes. uh, so in some games, I think that's more challenging mm. than others. But in a game like Junction, where I think you can trust the creators a lot, to Mm. fill the game with uh, realistic and respectful and authentic Chinese signifiers. In that context, uh, a lot of what I'm saying is don't try. Mm. Because usually when people are – when people quote-unquote try to play a character of a certain ethnicity, um, Mm. all of the first things that leap to mind, uh, which is not anybody's fault, it's the fault of systemic racism and bias, are – uh, are often racist signifiers, or even mm. even things that aren't outright racist, but they're just kind of tired and cliche.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah. Um.
1: So, I, I I'm I'm hoping from this game, mm-hmm. like it's got sort of a two mode thing where it's like during the day, and it's mm-hmm. like you know. You're, you're, you're busy building up your resources and it's like mm-hmm. pretty serious and it's like, you yeah, it's quite, know, it's quite good natured and quick. And then at night it goes absolutely batshit kung fu, hustle crazy.
2: Yes, that is, that is that, an absolute. That's accurate, what I'm hoping for. Yeah, and there's, there is literally it's, it. it's like you said, there's like a day and night phase. And uh, Sen has a huge amount of experience uh, designing board games. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, Sen's designed like a, a lot of really awesome board games. And I'm not that into board games, but I still got uh, <laughs> this one over here. <laughs> this guy, Legend of Korra Pro Bending Arena. That's one Ooh. of Sense games. Um oh. so so I, has I didn't
1: I so that's two games that I feel the need to buy right now, yeah. I've got to say.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the game has a lot of like cool cards and play mats and stuff uh-huh. that uh, brings some kind of board game feel to uh, yeah. to the action. So, so it's really fun because I think that the presence of the board game components and the stuff that you're fussing yeah. around with physically, it really evokes the feeling of working with your hands in a really fast-paced uh, setting like a restaurant. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's like, you know, it, it feels like, you know, rushing around to clear up tables and uh talk to Mm. customers and so forth and you really have to you have to be really careful to apportion your personal energy and time and resources because there's more stuff to do in a day than you can necessarily do yeah yeah can i can i just touch back on the uh,
0: cultural consultancy side of things of course i was just i just wondering because having having Mm -hmm. been through that process myself just in the last um literally last week Mm -hmm. um so I'm probably I'm mythological figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wondering, have you ever sort of had any pushback on that at all from publishers when you've, you know, made made suggestions and they've they've resisted it in some? I mean, other than oh my god, it's too late to change that now, which is obviously one <laughs> yeah. one thing. That, that that's really but,
1: the publisher's fault. Should bring the creative yeah, sure, yeah. But, yeah. I mean,
0: like more 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 more
2: argumentative pushback ever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's happened. That's happened a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, some of the it it doesn't happen a lot. So most of the time when I'm brought in as a cultural consultant, I'm dealing almost entirely with people who are really happy to be there. Most Mm. of my clients are smaller. They're outfits of Mm -hmm. like a single digit number of people or a low double digit number of people. Mm -hmm. So when they bring me on, they're really excited for me to be there. Um, They want me to be there. They've they've already opted into the thing that sure. I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. so that's most that's most of my work, and that's great. However, mm. um sometimes, especially when I'm working with a with a larger company uh or a company where uh my contact there isn't necessarily the, the executive or producer or manager who who's ultimately signing off on the thing. Mm. Um so mm. those are the circumstances where sometimes um I will get some pushback. And mm-hmm. Uh, the, the pushback usually takes one of a couple of different forms. It's not very common that I get like, like raging reactionary ire. Mm -hmm. Like the, like when I visited Wizards of the Coast to give a a presentation back in January, I just posted, hey, I'm at Wizards of the Coast today. And I got this long, long, long stream of angry people on Twitter. I was accused of starting a death cult. Someone sent me (laughs) elf porn. Um... There was just all, all kinds of like oh my god, this guy is gonna single handedly destroy the hobby in the course of a two hour workshop at Wizards of the Coast. Right, right. And I'm like, there's already been five five editions of what you want, man. Like yeah. you're already really good at pretending there's no gay people in this game. Like what mm. why you're gonna be able to ignore me. You'll be fine. So usually it when I get the pushback, it's not that. It's of the it's of the format like, Well, why do we really need this? Are the right. did the data support that we actually need this. I read a study what? that said that implicit bias training actually makes companies worse at things. So shouldn't it isn't this guy going to make us more racist? Isn't mm. going isn't calling out all of these racist things going to are they going is he going to put racist ideas in my head that weren't there before? So it's usually it's usually of this format.
0: Right, I
1: see. Interesting.
2: Well, yeah. first, to an
0: extent that's kind of, you know, you've done your job and if they don't want to accept it then that's mm-hmm. their problem not right. yours, isn't yeah. it? But, and there
2: are there are definitely times when I give some I give some feedback to someone, and uh, almost always the person's like, "Yeah, absolutely, we can do this." And mm-hmm. then sometimes, if the company is big and there are a lot of a lot of different like workflows that are siloed from one another. I'll mm. give that feedback to one person, and then there will be a game of telephone in which it gets lost. So right. that by the time I see the final thing, I'm like, hey, I said we had to change that name because it's associated with such and such a thing. What happened? Yeah. And then sometimes because of the, the, the chain of communication breaking down, yeah. uh, something happens. And when that happens, I can't tell whether it's – I always assume that it's just somebody forgot. But mm. it's also possible that someone saw this thing and was like, no, I need to change this because it's, um, I don't know, like SJW PC culture or something.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I imagine a lot of, if you know, if there is pushback, a lot of that would come more from, like, fans than the actual professionals working on books, you would mm-hmm. think.
2: I think they that... Do te-
0: you do just tend to see sort of reactionary explosions on the internet from fans on this sort of thing. Yeah,
2: yeah definitely. And I, I, yeah, I think all of the all of the most vocal enmity comes from fans. Mm. Uh, I think that uh, people in people in professional settings have, even if they don't actually agree with all the stuff that I'm saying,
0: mm. I think
2: they they have an incentive to listen to me just because they don't want people yelling at them on the internet.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And a lot of these people, if they made something that were too far in the other direction that were too far um, that were upsetting. Like, you know, these people who are sending me elf porn and accusing me of starting death cults, like people know how to argue with those guys sometimes if they mm. already, if they, maybe if they have tendencies in that direction, but they don't necessarily know how to argue with people who agree with me. Right. So even if, yeah. even assuming, assuming the worst about somebody oh. having the least, uh, the least optimistic, view towards yeah. someone who I'm interacting with. They still have an incentive to listen to me, if only to save themselves some trouble. Hmm. Um. But they've got themselves into the point where they're paying you. So, you know, yeah, know, once, once they've reached that stage of the process,
0: not mm-hmm. listening to you does seem to be a colossal waste of money, quite frankly. Yeah,
1: I, 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 yeah I, I, it's one of the things I find very baffling about this conversation. Like, people are paying you for your advice, and they're ignoring it. Mm-hmm. I can't say that's an entirely unfamiliar situation to me, yeah. but it's like, why would you do that just yeah. to pay for the advice and cut out in the middle man?
2: <laughs> and and sometimes sometimes it's a personality thing. Like I've worked with people yeah. who who really identify as like rebels or contrarians, right. who
3: yeah.
2: who have gotten a lot of positive attention in the past for uh, getting out in public and saying and and sounding as iconoclastic as possible and saying mm-hmm. this is. Yeah. This is this is the norm. This is the standard. This is what you're thinking. But what you're thinking is actually wrong. And actually, we're going to do this other thing. And you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. And so if someone has been rewarded repeatedly for doing exactly that,
0: then they're going to continue doing that. Then yeah, yeah. I, I'm not yeah.
2: surprised if they have a they have a similar reaction to oh yeah. Mendez gave us this safe uh, this safe advice on how to be politically correct. It, side note: politically correct is a term only used by people claiming claiming that they're not politically correct. No one ever says yeah. Yeah. I want to be politically yes. correct yeah. anymore. No yeah. one says that. Yeah. Um, I just like. This is not the same yeah. thing. Like, someone throwing you off for
1: being rude is not the same as someone dragging you out back and shooting yeah. the head. These are different. Yeah, things. so, so if,
2: if people are, like, oh. are, are really, really excited about their own ability to disagree with other people and get rewarded for it, that's going to be a harder person for me to work with as a cultural yeah.
0: consultant. You get a few of those on the internet as well, of course. Mm-hmm. So I think the internet kind of magnifies people's... Yeah. ability to do that especially when you get a small little you know cult of personality around somebody mm-hmm. who continue reinforce to them that they're right or they they should carry on doing what they're doing yeah. we're
1: naming absolutely no names there
0: we are not, <laughs> <laughs> we're not. have you ever sort yeah. of consulted on a project where you've looked at it and you've just thought i mean not naming names but um you just looked at it and said, oh, my god there's no rescuing this this is yes you know, I can't consult on this. All I can is say it? is start again
2: from yes, scratch. Yes, that, that frequently happens.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: dear. Frequently. frequently. Yeah, oh Frequently. Oh, that's a lot. That, 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 that's yeah. A- okay, so and on the I- one hand, I'm sort of appalled because that's really bad. On the other hand, I'm sort of <laughs> excited Kate to the small... Oh <laughs>
2: Like, so, so, so many of them uh, – there are many of them where I, I just can't – I can't say anything because it's punching down. But I yeah. think most of mm-hmm. the – a lot of, in a lot of these cases, the conversation tends to break down early. Right. And the oh, end of the project oh. is just someone stops returning my messages. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> what a shame. I'll be okay. But <laughs> – uh, very often yeah. that that comes to me in the format of I, I get a panicked instant message from a friend saying, hey, I saw that this person I vaguely know is uh, starting a board game project. And, you know, it has like it, it, it has like has a racial slur in the title or the cover yeah. art is already like a horrific, <laughs> offensive thing or some. Yeah. So okay. there, there's some, like, unbelievably, like, you know, none of the women wear shirts. Uh, there's these kinds of things.
3: Hmm.
2: Um, okay. And then then I usually, uh, you know, I, like, I, I start a Facebook conversation or something like that with the, the person involved. And I'm like, uh, you know, and I put on my kindergarten teacher voice. And I'm like, hey, I saw you have a new project. That's great. I, I noticed none of the women have shirts. Have you considered they might be cold? Something like that. Um <laughs> And, and then usually I get, uh, some responses, which are, are of the, oh yes, we're trying to be really respectful. There's an Indian person at my office and we ran it by her and she said, I guess it's fine, (laughs) Uh, but we would would love to get some feedback from you. And then I say something like, okay, so this is my job and, uh, you would have to pay me a little bit. And then mm-hmm. sometimes they're like, I'll check on budget and get back to you. And,
0: and you never hear from them again. Right. Yeah, and you know, I'm, you know, yeah. and
2: I'm looking at the art, which is like, you know, it, it's, it's poorly rendered art from, from exactly. poser of like a bunch of, you know, white people culturally appropriating somebody else's outfits or, you know, the aforementioned women with no shirts or it's, it's um, and I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll, I'll let this go by. Uh, there's, there's only one project I can think of where I actually had to. Um, I was briefly attached to it and then I bailed on it. Hmm. Uh. But that one was—you felt a bit thickly for you. Yeah, uh, it was. It was a project, and it was in its early stages. Um, but it was a it was a Western project, and I I always say Westerns are the single hardest genre to do, um, and because they're they're so deeply embedded in American culture. Everyone thinks, oh, Westerns are going to be fine. I'll just make it diverse. But no, everything about the Wild West genre is about imperialism and genocide. There's no way around it. Mm. You can't. And that's the problem with it. It's like making a making a good game about the Wild West as awesome as it is, you know, when you get the occasional Chris Spivey doing it. Uh, it's mm. like, it's like trying to make a game about the antebellum south, uh, where yeah. even if you make the best game in the world and you prioritize the experience of people who suffered systemic oppression, there's still, still gonna be half the people showing up to play this game who are there because they want to be Scarlett O'Hara or John Wayne. Mm. Uh, and you still gotta, you gotta figure out how to deal with those people. But yeah, there was this Western game where I I pointed that out and I was like, look, there's no way around you needing an American Indian consultant on this. And that's going to take time for me to find if you want me to do it. And I can't even promise you, I'm going to find someone from uh, a nation that's actually relevant to your game. So Mm. they went ahead with some stuff that I told them would be like the next best thing, but still not enough. And I, you know, I Mm. looked at the next draft of the project and I was like, I don't think I can help here. You know, I hadn't, I I wasn't getting paid. I was doing it as like a favor to a friend and Mm. it was before like any, any money had changed hands. So I was just like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna step back from that.
0: Yeah. 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 And
2: and they were, you know, they were, they were trying to make like a good, diverse Western game. And they, a lot of the aspects of the project with regard to representation were cool, but there was... Just no way around this like giant mountain of imperialism and genocide. Yeah.
0: Do do you tend to find uh, that it it tends to be uh, good intentioned misunderstanding more often than it is kind of almost always
2: good intentioned misunderstanding. Yeah. And you know, I think it would be easier if it weren't. If Uh, people, it would be better if people were just good at right. You know, because if it were if i were dealing with cartoon villains who are rubbing their hands together and saying haha no. ha, i'm gonna exploit all the asians Ha ha, yeah, um, yeah. twiddling them right exactly you know if it were mm. like it would be easy yeah, yeah. like burning crosses on people's lawns and like punching asians and accusing us of, of spreading covid like that would be easy to deal yeah. with because the the yeah. villains are obvious and clear but much yeah, more yeah, often, yeah. the problems come from this, like, uncanny valley place where people have good intentions mm. or ideas that started out really good. Um, yeah. So, like... A, an, a, They're not people that you describe as common or garden racist right. It's, like,
1: people who are generally quite cool, right. but they haven't examined attitudes which are right. racist. Uh, they could possibly get a, that a defensive say,
0: maybe, when called on it. Yeah. Is that maybe uh, the, Yeah, because yeah. you start
1: saying racist, and people get really, really yeah, upset.
2: Because because people <laughs> yeah. are... are I think the way that the way that I was brought up, I was the way we were exposed to racism uh, in school uh-huh. and in the media. Uh, the goal was to become not racist. And people think like, if I do all these things, I treat people as equals, then I become not racist. And that's not how racism works, because it lives in the it lives in like, the realm of unconscious and implicit bias, and stuff like mm. that. So it so the problem isn't that like, You're not not racist enough. It's that everybody's racist. There's no way around it. And the only way to be anti-racist is to own that you're racist and then, Mm. like, know that that stuff's going on for you, for everybody, and then to work against it. Um, So this, this is why I say there's never not even I'm not racist, but you never need in life to say the words I'm not racist. Because Mm. a lot of the people who are most attached to that idea are most vulnerable to making mistakes that a cultural consultant needs to fix because, like, they're trying to do something right. Like, because they'll do something that is harmful or is uh, a problem for people and they won't know because they'll think, like, this whole time I was thinking anti-racist thoughts Mm. um, or my intent Mm. in doing this, the thing that I wanted to communicate was the opposite of this thing you're telling me it communicates. And that's, that's the hardest thing to deal with. The, the people who, are, who have good intentions and who, whose ideas even are like part good, but they can't mm. let go oh, of the cool. ways in which it's also bad.
1: Yeah. No, it's, all, it's like one of those differences between sympathy and empathy. Like you can emphasize with someone, you can say, yeah, I can see why it's really hard for you to let go because mm-hmm. that's, that's how you've been programmed by culture your entire yeah. life. Like, that's empathy. It's like, yeah, no, I get it. I, I've seen the same stuff. I've seen the same exactly. things. The sympathy part is, but this can't go on. It's like, yeah, you know, I know it's hard, but you need to stop mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And we
2: say we say stuff and we do stuff that's unintentionally harmful mm. all the time. And mm-hmm. it's, it's okay to notice that. It, this is what I call the... Uh, I call these nice things we can't have, right? Um, mm. If there's stuff that out of context, in a vacuum, if someone completely understood what you meant to say when you said it, if that stuff were going on, then, oh, of course, we'd realize that you're not racist. But because somebody else somewhere, who's like probably in the Proud Boys or something like that, because one of those jerks took some signifier and ruined it. Now we can't Mm -hmm. have nice things anymore. And it's terrible. It sucks. And it sucks that like, you can't, say this thing or do this thing that otherwise would be innocuous anymore but because it Mm -hmm. is because someone ruined it you got to be aware of that like it's not if you want to like paint your face a dark color because you want to be just doerden and you think that's cool so you paint your face with like you know gray face paint and there was not a racist thought in your mind when you put Mm -hmm. that face paint on okay, great, but the problem is that there's this long-ass history of people putting dark makeup on their faces. Yeah, uh, it means
0: something else, right. yeah. Even if you don't know uh, it means something else, it does mean something else. Right, yeah. uh,
2: so it's not it's not your fault that you can't put dark makeup on your face, and we don't think that you intended to put on a minstrel show while dressed as Drisdor Erden, but mm. because somebody else ruined that thing, that's a nice thing you can't have, and it's bad. Yeah, yeah, but yeah.
1: Don't, don't get mad at the people telling right. you about this. Get mad at the people who have exactly. ruined this nice thing that you can no longer exactly. have. Like, if you want to be a photo <laughs> negative,
2: that's not cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, like we all saw that episode of Community, <laughs> and that's not right? Your fault. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ken Jeong I, to, to be fair I saw, yeah. on, yeah, yeah, I saw it on Space Force the other night I'm like yeah yeah it's like okay so you dressed up as a photo <laughs> okay <Oops. laughs> that's awkward <laughs> but yeah it's like yeah don't don't be mad it's not the people that are yeah. you it's the people who've done it and have been awful about exactly. it and who are still doing it and still being awful about yeah. it like these people need to quit yeah. it so the rest of us can have yeah. nice how things how long back? ago
2: was that's Justin Trudeau doing this stuff you know
0: less than a decade yep. Dr. to Google. Uh, yeah, yeah. So how 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 do you uh, how do you get into uh, a job like that then? Because uh, it's not it's not. I think when people think I'm going to get into RPGs, mm-hmm. that's probably not the first yep. job that they think of. They think writing. They think. Well, writing is the first thing they think, yeah. obviously. But I'm, yeah, right, right. right. Uh, artists.
1: Oh, I, so I don't think about layout artists. Yeah.
0: But how, how, do, how do you end up being like a cultural consultant? What's um, the kind of route that?
2: So um, the answer to, to many of these questions for for my own personal career path is uh, accidents or bad luck. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I started... Well, that's most of our careers, to be fair. Right, right. It's bad luck that you became a cultural consultant. <laughs> that, that, that part was good luck. but for, Oh, okay, right, right. Yeah. So fair. for a really long time... Whenever I got hired to write something in RPGs, maybe not always, but it often was someone wanted me to write a subject that other people didn't feel comfortable writing because it had something to do with usually Asian or African culture. I'm not African, but I I have an academic background in West African religion. So Mm -hmm. there are specific uh, topics in like West African and Afro-Caribbean and Afro-Atlantic religion where I have like specific kinds of knowledge that I can I can help with,
1: so mm-hmm. usually it would have. So someone comes up to you and say, "I've got this great idea for a voodoo priest. Can you help <laughs> yeah. me out, James? Let me
2: get a drink, and then I'll. <laughs> and then I got you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The voodoo priest I talk to most often is a, is a white lady. That's a weird story for some other time. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, she's great, though. But, yeah, so, all, all, so it would usually be um, there was some element of Asian culture or African uh, religious or martial culture, because I also play capoeira. Um, and so I'd be brought in to write something related to those things. In the latter case, usually I'd, I'd you know, I'd show up like, OK, you know, I'm just starting out in this industry. I need a job. But you asked a black person first, right? Um, so, so, yeah. And this, uh, this happened all the time with like surprise elements of content, like I'd be writing a book that I thought was about one thing. And then someone else I was collaborating with would bring in another cultural element that I didn't think I needed to know about to work with it. But like, there was suddenly this thing from like Russian culture that I needed to go and research and come give people feedback on. So a lot of times people don't know what they don't know. And then they end up asking me about it. Uh, so, as a writer, I was always brought in to essentially do things that you would otherwise need a cultural consultant for. Then, over the course of writing, usually I'm collaborating on a big book with a lot of other people. So, um, people would end up coming to me and asking me, oh, hey, you know, just read through the book, make sure there's no typos. And if you catch anything, you know, that you think we should change, and then I'd read through it and I'd be like, I- I'd catch something that wasn't necessarily my job to catch, but I thought it would probably be a good idea to mention not to describe people of color using food terms like almond eyes or chocolate skin. Um, right. Uh, so I ended up getting a lot of experience doing cultural consulting just by being a writer. And during the course of that time, um, I also started building up a network of other other creatives who were doing similar things so that we could talk to each other um in a in a space that 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 felt safe and you know they could
1: you got a a level of expertise about non-american
2: cultures yeah that kind of thing where we could exchange uh we could exchange ideas and help each other out with similar stuff and then Mm. eventually i realized well there's there's so many writers doing this and like writing is fun but it's hard i can't do that Mm. much of it because it takes so much energy out of me. Whereas, you know, I I write for five hours and I feel tired. Whereas uh, if I tell people that they're racist for five hours, it turns out I feel energized. (laughs) And that's just some weird, morbid thing about me. And it's not true of a lot of people because uh, a lot of people of color are already exhausted from just having their normal day. And they don't have any Mm. energy at the end of it to like opt into helping somebody else out with their racism. So that's, I guess, the I don't know, like the that would be the bad luck element of it for a lot of people pointing this stuff out and talking to people about it all day like sounds rightfully like a nightmare to a lot of people Mm. so cultural consulting ended up becoming a huge part of my job as a writer and then soon it started to take up more and more of my time and now like i feel like it's easier to identify myself as a cultural consultant than a writer um because it uh it seems more distinctive when like almost everybody i know is a writer In terms of how other people could get, uh, could get into this kind of job. Now that a few of us have started doing this, um, there's a pretty robust mentorship network. So, uh, I'd say if you're listening to this and you want to become a cultural consultant, um, you know, whatever your background is, I want to talk to you about it. So like Mm. go find my Twitter, like slide into my DMs and ask me about cultural consulting because I think a lot of people, I think anybody could do cultural consulting if, you know, they do the, do the right kind of research
1: so you need to write grounding and background and yeah, knowledge absolutely
2: yeah. and there's yeah. like with other jobs in rpgs it's really hard to do this as a full-time thing and mm. it's not something yeah, i yeah. would even recommend but over my time doing this uh, over my time doing cultural consulting and rpgs um i've also met some people through gaming who have helped me get cultural consulting jobs outside of rpgs mm. Huh. Uh, so like there's an educational media company which makes uh educational like syllabi and textbooks and videos and stuff like that and like video games and uh that you uh that schools buy and implement in their curricula and i got into working for one of those companies just through someone who came to a one of my panels at at pax unplugged mm. so now I I I'm bet, I bet to they pay. pay
0: better too <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, So yeah, like, so that's now that's starting to diversify. And I'm seeing this happening in in other industries as well. And that's really heartening to me, because it turns out that I think this stuff is fun, even when it's happening, like, you know, at a bank or a hedge fund. Mm, uh. Like, I'm getting starting to get into like the HR, like bias training uh, space through uh, some mentorship from other people who I know. So yeah, if you're interested in getting into this stuff, if you want to learn about it, yeah, I want to take down the barrier. I I want to open the gate So hit me up mm. and I'll help you out. Fantastic. To say, that's a really that's a really generous offer. You.
0: Really good For, of you. From yeah. the from the point of view, someone who's kind of been through the process from the other end recently, um, not with you but with uh, mm-hmm. with other people. But um, I, I definitely think that if you're a publisher or a writer considering using a cultural consultant. Putting aside any issues of whether or not it's the right thing to do, which it is, mm-hmm. but putting that aside, I definitely think it made the book better. It just made oh, it a better real, book. Yeah.
2: And and that's one of the things that I always prioritize is, because if I, if I want someone to take my suggestion, then, hmm. you know, it's good if I'm like, hey, if you do this, you won't be racist. But it's, an, it's even better if I say, hey, if you do this, then your game will be better and more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: from the point of view of our book, because it covers like a whole bunch of different mythological figures and stuff from various places around the world and times in history, it's almost, I don't want to say an educational books, it's not, it's a game book and uh, the entries are fairly short. But, uh, you know, I've, I've had people read the book and, you know, they find it interesting and they're learning about these characters and history. So you want to be sure that the information you're giving them is appropriate and correct and you're not Filling their head with nonsense
2: or weird, um, sort of uh, westernized imaginings that, right, are, yeah. or yeah, Orientalist reimaginings of like, yeah, yeah. tiger faces. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Basically, oh yeah, you end up with a better book for, as as a result. Yeah. And,
2: and I, I think that uh, a lot of cultural consultants have really have really great ideas and uh, can think of things that I don't know. Like I talked earlier about how I try not to have any original thoughts, and I. I don't, mm. but I do like to uh, when I'm ripping people off, I do like to rip off less commonly ripped off sources like, you know, mm. traditional epic poetry from uh, from different countries. If I'm ripping off a source that is less commonly ripped off. That often looks a lot like an original idea, <laughs> and no one will be the wiser.
0: So, do you get much time to do much uh, sort of directly creative work these days, or is it Ooh. mainly consulting uh, so work? So, a, a
2: lot of times, a lot of times I do. Um, so, for for Agon, for example, Agon is uh, it's a game that just got its second edition. Uh, it's yeah. from Evil Hat Productions, and it's by John Harper. And you know, everything John Harper touches turns to gold. I think. Uh, so, Agon is about Greek heroes uh, getting lost, traveling from island to island in the Mediterranean, and having mm. strange adventures on each island. And uh, I, there was in a, in another life, I was going to be a classics major, so uh, so I love this stuff. So I, so *Argon* was really interesting because I was doing cultural consulting on white people. I was doing cultural consulting on Greek culture. Right. And but thankfully, I was not doing it alone. I was working with my friend John Stavropoulos. Who's, uh, who's from Sparta, so uh, he and I collaborated on uh, talking about Greek culture and um, how to, how to be like sensitive and respectful towards like the struggles that uh, Greek people have uh, both historically uh, and in the present day, and so I learned a huge amount uh, working on that, and I was also really really grateful that the company did something which. I think is always a great idea if you have the resources for it, which is pairing an experienced cultural consultant uh, with someone who's actually from that background and uh, so John knows loads and loads about Greek culture, um, but he just didn't feel uh, he didn't feel as comfortable or as excited uh, doing the technical aspects of cultural consulting and like uh, how to present those things. so by working together, we were able to create something that I thought was really, really cool. And going back to this mentorship idea, whenever I'm like mentoring a new cultural consultant, um, this is one of the things that I try to do. I'll like set up a situation where we're working together. They, if they're the person from that background, they get the, the lion's share of the, of the resources. And then we both get to learn stuff. And it's a, I'm really a collaborative worker at heart. Um, so that works really well for me. But in addition to doing this, the cultural consulting stuff on Agon, I also got to write a couple of islands uh, for you to get lost on. The island that I, the island that I wrote, is based on uh, the similarities between uh, ancient Greek epic poetry and hip hop. So I, I have a, I have a little side project. Uh, could, could, could you could you unpack oh, a little oh, bit? Oh yeah, sure. So, sure um, uh, so epic yeah. poetry of the kind that uh, Homer might have composed uh so epic poetry it's a strictly oral yeah it's an oral tradition and uh if you read through the iliad you'll notice that there are a bunch of repeated sections they're called formulae and these these formulae uh are actually kind of like a chorus so uh the poet who originally performed these things was actually freestyling uh for a lot of the Mm. poet so they would freestyle uh over musical accompaniment uh this oral tradition And then the formulae are like the chorus or the hook that allows them to make up the next section of the poem or get ready to freestyle that. And then I think there's a lot of uh, similarities uh, in terms of the subject matter, Um, you know, this booty and ostentatious modes of transportation and and Mm. machismo and beef and uh, like uh, personality clashes writ large. Um, and you know, lots of lots of uh, sex and violence like. sorted stuff combined with uh, combined with like the heights of poetic uh, expression and I got I got really interested in that in in college and um, I so I started doing this translation of the Iliad where translate where I'm translating it into um, modern rap and so that's like a little side project I go back to from time to time uh, translating the Iliad into rap from Greek. As you do. Yeah, as you do, as you do. <laughs> um, and is this like, ever going to be performed, is more is, of oh, yeah, a question. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I gotta, that's my other Patreon that I have to, the non-gaming Patreon that I eventually have to resurrect. But mm. uh, uh, And even the word for, for a performer of traditional Greek epic is rhapsodos. Rhapsode. Because they rhapsodize yeah, about yeah, it. yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. things. It's almost the same mm. word as rapper. Like, it's... Uh, so so yeah, I I wrote an island for Agon that is uh that's based on uh, on those those crossovers. And so um it, it's an island where Apollo and the Muses are competing for control of the island because but because mm-hmm. it's Apollo and the Muses, they've uh nominated champions to uh go at each other and rap and dance battles. Um, okay. Uh, So, yeah, so that – and then, yeah, there's, like, a little bit of tie-in to uh, my Iliad translation, which you can find on my website. Yeah. So uh, so that was really fun, Um, and I got to work with Sean Nittner at Evil Hat to to really polish it, and, uh, yeah, I'm – I was really excited about that. Another island that I'm working on, uh, which will hopefully come out a little bit later, uh, it's based on Polynesian mythology. Mm -hmm. So um, the Greek heroes get so super lost that they wind up on a mythological island – uh that's based on uh Maori and Hawaiian and Tongan and so forth uh mythology and i'm still working on that one and that that's a that's another uh another big challenge and because it's it's introducing these greek heroes to a um a land where the terrain is different the gods are different uh instead of uh looking to to demeter and athena to help you you have to look to rongo and to and tane so yeah, um, I'm working on that one. And then that ties into a section in the cultural consulting bit about um, bringing other mythologies into the world of Agon. So I have a couple of examples in the cultural consulting section of how you bring in like Yoruba or Caribbean mythology or, or Philippine mythology. And then uh, this island is another example of that. I mean, that, that does sound Thank really you. cool. i yeah. say.
1: And then, yeah. uh, of course, um,
2: my biggest project right now is Thousand Arrows, uh, which is uh, an Apocalypse World yes. hack about the Japanese Warring States period that's coming mm. out uh, later yes. this year. Um, so that's the that's the bulk of my writing time. Yes.
1: Yeah. It all looks pretty good. You can find out more if you're interested at jamesmendeshodes.com. Yes. Yep. Is it Hodes or Hodes? Uh,
2: it's either, okay. actually. I, I've always pronounced it Hodes, but which, I, whichever I you recently found on. out my yeah. grandfather pronounced it Hodes. So,
0: yeah, that's I'm it. not picky anymore.
2: Yeah. I guess it's,
0: it's up to yeah. you, I guess,
2: really. <laughs> it's your name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's your name, so you can
1: yeah. go. So, jamesmendeshodes.com, uh, you can find out a lot more there. Right. But I'm afraid, uh, has a, as Stephen Hawkins always used to say, time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like a banana. <laughs> and um, we've really got to be uh, winding things yes. up for we're running out of time, I'm afraid.
0: Mm. Well, this uh, is right really then. So, thank you so much oh, for good. coming on. I'm glad you liked, liked it. really... Yeah. Enjoyed that conversation and learned a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm going to sign off now. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Next week, we have got John Hodgson who's going to come on and talk all about Beowulf to us. Nice. Ooh. We're, we're a real classical like. There's a Kickstarter going on right now with a 5th edition powered Beowulf. Fantastic! But Until then, okay. that'll be goodbye from me, Russ. And goodbye from me, Peter Coffey, from the Southampton Guild of
2: Roleplayers. Goodbye from me, James Mendes holtz
0: Apparently I now have to read this to you.